Welcome to the East Coast Believers Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We hope this inspires and encourages you to grow in your relationship with God. Now, here's Pastor Norm. Let me get right into the series this morning. It's a new series. It's a short two-week series I'm doing this week and next week. And it's called Refresh. And the concept behind this is we're at the end of summer. And um, we've had a lot of great summer vacations. We've kind of slept in a little bit, maybe overate a little bit, traveled a lot. And now we're heading back into routine again. It's back to school. We're heading into the fall. And uh, we're kind of resetting our lives. And we got to sort of refresh. And sort of the, the launch verse for this, and where I want to start off, is in Philippians chapter 3. And in verse 12, he said, friends, don't get me wrong. By, not, by no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. How many know that God's, God's calling you? He's beckoning you onward to Jesus. He said, I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. So let's keep, look at this, focused on that goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us. Is there anybody here who wants everything God has for them? Come on, I mean, sometimes we're selling ourselves short. Like God's got some great plans for you. Don't buy into the lie of religion that God's your enemy and that God's not for you. Not only is he for you, he's your father and he has good things in store for your life. Everything God has for us. If any, if any of you have something else in mind, like maybe there's something else going on, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. That's kind of what I'm trying to accomplish today. I want to clear your blurred vision. You take off the glasses, clean them off a little bit, refresh our lives. You'll see it yet. Now here it is. Not that we're on. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. And here's what I want to talk about. We're running on a track. Let's make sure we're running on the right track. And we're, all, we're, putting all, we're exerting all this energy. We're putting all this out. But maybe we're exerting energy on the wrong things in life. And that's why we're calling this series Refresh. If we could just change a little bit, make an adjustment, and get on the right track. And if there's ever an issue that our culture deals with today, if there was ever an issue that probably all of us in one way or another deal with that keeps popping up over and over and over again, it's the issue of we live overstressed lives. We're stressed out in our lives today. We're trying, to, we're trying to do too much. We're worn out at the end of the day. We're just struggling with challenges. We're struggling with issues. And the Bible speaks to that. Don't, listen, don't buy the lie from anybody that the Bible is out of date. It's an archaic book that has no value today. Let me just say to you, yes, the Bible was written by 41 uh, men who wrote it, but authored by one God. And Jesus, God authored this book and it's a lie that can speak to the issues of your life. And we buy into this lie that there's nothing in the Bible that can help me today. And in fact, Jesus, if you, if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he was very famous. He was really good at dealing with the issues of the day. And he dealt with some theology and Old Testament stuff, but he really dealt with where they were in dealing with issues of the day. So today I want to unpack the thought of how do I get rid of stress? in my life and what does the Bible say about that because it's showing up over and over and over again in fact I, I'm not surprised by it because 2 Timothy said but understand this that in the last days I mean, you know we're living in the last days and there will come times of stress which is really where a lot of us live today we're living these times and in, in times of stress and in fact um 
doing some research and getting ready for this. You know, I was reading, I was doing Google and re- reading different things. And there's actually things called uh, stress institutes now. There's actually institutes that are designed just to study stress. It's a new phenomenon, really, uh, in, our, in our generation. In fact, as a result of being overstressed, there's another phenomenon that's popped up in the last 20 years. We have, we have these things, people called life coaches. Like you need a, you need a coach just to get through life. And uh, I'm not making fun of that at all, but I'm saying that's how stress out we are. And in fact, one study said this, one in five Americans, this isn't the rest of the world, only in America, one in five Americans consider themselves overly stressed. That results in depression, that results in panic attacks, it results in their body being harmed. And in fact, one study said 60% of all sicknesses and diseases find their, their root in stress. In other words, stress is what really causes it to be launched in your body. And so one out of five, and in fact, one study said this, 44% of Americans now consider themselves stressed. And that's a, five, that's a 40% growth from five years ago. Go, we're at this rate in five years, 100% of Americans are gonna say, I'm stressed. Okay, and so this is really an issue of the day. And what does, what does the Bible say about this? And I, I came up with a list of things that, because what I want to do is try to get you to buy into this, that maybe I need to hear something on this. Here are some things I think we get stressed about, and that is uh, finances. Like we get stressed about, do we have enough money? Here's another one, deadlines. I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're a student, you have papers that are going to be due. You have tests that are coming up. If you're on a job, you have deadlines there. Just deadlines. And how about this? And this is a big one, especially in the Orlando area. It's the balance of life, work, and family. Like, how do I balance all of this out? I've got work, I've got life, I've got family. Am I the only one that thinks that it's a full-time job just to live life sometimes? You know, just to live life. And then how about, this is a big one, expectations of others. This is something that really we deal with today. What are, what are others expect of us and trying to, trying to measure up to those expectations? Here's another one. I'm married. Oh, here's another one. I'm not married. Like I, the married people want to be single. Single people want to be married. I'm trying to keep both of them in their lanes. Here's another one. Parenting. You know, parenting, that's a, that's a come on. It's a full contact sport being a parent sometimes. You know, here's another one. And this is hard. Difficult decisions to make. It can be stressful. Do I move? Do I take a new job? Do I quit my job? Do I, do I buy a new home? Do I not buy a new home? Do I keep rent? We have all this stress that comes from that. Here's one. Uh, in-laws, I'm moving right along. Just being funny. How about this? Another, can you believe it? Another election's coming up, everybody. That's stress. Come on. I don't, wanna, I don't even want to watch TV anymore already. Here's another one. I-4 makeover gives me stress. Just traveling on I-4. And so, and so the, what does the Bible say about this? Jesus had this conversation with the disciples about a big change in their life, and they were stressing, and they were flipping out about it. They go, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And Jesus said something. He said in John 16, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Because in the midst of this, you can have peace in this world, anybody live in this world here? About, about 10 of you. The rest of you live. Mars? Um, how many live in this world? He said, if you live in this world, here it is. This is. These are the words of Jesus. You will have trouble. 
It's only an American gospel that says, if you live in this world, you'll never have an issue. You'll never have a challenge. But here's what Jesus said. You might have issues. You might, and just because you live in this world, things come up, traffic and, and financial issues, things that happen, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Here's what Jesus said. I can't guarantee you a life that you won't ever have a challenge or an issue, but I can guarantee you this, in the midst of your trial, the midst of your trouble, the midst of your stress, you can have peace. He didn't guarantee you a trouble-free life, but he promised you a stress-free life if you apply the principles out of the word of God. You, you, might have, you might get that phone call. You might get that stress. You might have trouble that comes up, but he said, I'll be with you. Now, here's the challenge for a lot of us. We see a verse like this and we say, Lord, it can't be true because I have stress in my life. I mean, I know I have trouble, that's obvious, but where's this peace thing that you're talking about? And I wanna bring you through a verse that's found in the book of Philippians. I'm kind of setting this up because I'm trying to unpack this. And I want to, what I'm trying to do, if you're wondering what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to get buy-in right now from you that, hey, you have stress. We all, we have trouble, we have tests. We can have peace if we want it. But here's what we have to do. Philippians chapter four and in verse nine says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, notice this, put this into practice. And if you do, and the God of peace will be with you. And we're, we're wondering why are we not getting peace in our life? It's a promise that's ours. Why are we, why? Are, why? Like we, we, we want this, right? And here it is. We have to put it into practice. You know, I'm, I'm on a, I turned 52 this year. And, and, uh, and one thing I don't like about turning 52 is you can't keep eating like you did in your 40s. You know, you can, it just, you know, now I have money to buy new clothes. Back when I was younger, I couldn't do that. But now, and so, but I don't want to just keep buying bigger clothes. And so, and so, you know, I, I, I'm always on a quest to lose weight. And if, if I could find it in a pill, I'd buy, if it existed in a pill, I'd buy it. I'm letting you know right now. And, uh, but you know, usually ends up having to join the gym and get an ex, go through an exercise program and cut back on this and cut back on that. And interesting enough is, is something about, you know, buying the stuff off television. I don't know if it's, maybe it's just me. You see this on there, buy this and you, you eat, eat this pill or drink this shake, you're gonna lose all this weight. And it's something about it when you call in and order it, it's some, you already feel skinny the minute you bought it. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> like you sign up for the gym, like I signed up for a one-year program and I already feel skinnier. I know I'm not, but I feel like it. And, and that's, that's the problem at the church today. We hear a message, a promise that's ours, and we think, well, it's ours, then, then it's automatically mine. But here he said, if you want this promise, you gotta do something. You gotta put these principles into practice so you can have the peace that you want. And I, I feel you're, like, I, you know, truly I want you to hear me. We, we get stacks of prayer requests every week. At the beginning of the year, we, we um, one week, I got a stack of them and I, I took them in my office and that week in particular was in January. A lot of prayer requests were coming in for the beginning of the year. And that week, there's about 500 of them. And I took them and I read through each one. At my, at my, I have a little couch in my office. And I sat there on the couch and read them. And man, I'm not gonna lie to you. Dean and I read these and man, just I felt tears coming down my eyes. And the amount of pain and the amount of stress that people are going through. 
it just broke my heart. I remember I cried out to God for you. And this is sort of, this is sort of where this message came from. I don't want you to keep living in the same life that you're living in because the Bible has answers. Even though you, you're not guaranteed not to ever have a problem in your life, you are guaranteed that God will be with you and you can have peace. And there's a, there's a psalm in the book of Psalms chapter 62 that really describes this. And it's almost, it's so prophetic. And that's why I love reading the Bible. And it's like the only book that's so alive that you just want to read it because it'll speak to you where you are in life that day. And if you'll read it that way, it's just amazing how it, the Bible can do that. And as I'm reading and getting ready for this, here's a Psalm, Psalm 62. He says, find rest, O my soul. And I think that's what we want. We want, we're looking for rest, everybody, our soul. And you're gonna find this in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock. We're, we're, we're looking for someone else to be our rock. We're looking for, you know, the government to be our rock or our spouse to be our rock or our kids. If I could just have kids and life will be happy. And if I could just get this house, life will be happy. And if I can just get married, I'll be all right. But he said, God alone is your rock in my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock. He is my refuge. I was talking to a businessman some, some, some time ago, and, and this is a uh, very successful businessman in the great Orlando area, and if I call it out his name, some of you might even know it, tends our church, and not here a lot, but just come and I, talk, I communicate with him often, and he's, he owns multiple companies around the world and, and uh, flies to different places, and he said, um, I got to get back to church, and I said, yeah, I said, oh, we miss you, and he said, he goes, I'll be honest with you, because I don't know why I don't just fly in just to go to church, he said, because when I walk through those doors and sit in that service, he goes, it's like a refuge to me, he says, I can't explain it, but my, my mind clears out, I reset my priorities, he said, just something about being at East Coast and sitting in service during worship. He said, there's just something about it for me that it's like a refuge to me. And I get rid of all my problems. And he said, I gotta get back just to get, get in my refuge. Which I think, and, I, and I'm so grateful that we have a church that's like that for you, that you can come and it'll be a refuge for you. But the reality of it is, is I don't want just Sunday morning to be a refuge. I want your Saturday, Monday through Saturday to be the same for your life too. And he said, hey, he said, let that be your refuge. Trust in him at all times. Oh, people, pour out your hearts to him for God is our refuge. And then it uses this word, selah. Selah is a Hebrew term. It's a musical term. It's used about 77 times, I think, in the book of Psalms. And it's a word that we would say a definition of it is to think about, to ponder. Like let, let these things sink in. Actually, the, the term, the literal definition of it is, is in, in practice, in practical terms, it's like all these psalms, psalms are written as songs and they would sing to them with a band or instruments. And what this word Selah means is quit talking, quit singing, let the band keep playing, think about what you just sang. And that is this, trust in him at all times, oh people, pour out your hearts to God, he's our refuge, Selah. Think about that. He said, lowborn men, are but a breath. He's talking common men. You're just but a breath. Your life, James says it like this, your life is but a vapor. Their days are numbered. 
the highborn, the successful people, the people that we think are successful, that own the big homes, that have the titles, that are, you know, we call them celebrities today, their life's nothing but a lie. You bought into the wrong definition of success. If you think being wealthy or having a title or owning a certain car or driving a certain car is success. He said, if weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Like he said, you can put the, the, the common man and the rich man, the common man, the successful person on a balance, it all equals out. Really, their lives are nothing. Together, they are only, here is a breath. Do not trust and extortion or take pride in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. And in these, this psalm, these five verses, he's talking about rest for your soul. I see in there, there are three, three things he talks about that are really sources of stress. Three things that the Bible prophetically through a psalmist thousands of years ago really describe where our culture is today. And there's three things, and probably you can relate to all three of these things as major sources of stress, culprits of stress, if you will. And here they are. If you're taking notes, write these down. Three sources of stress. Number one, and I think all of us are going to agree with this one. He said right away, he said, he said, don't put your trust in anyone. Here it is, we have relationship stress. If we're honest, like this is probably the single biggest source of stress in our life, is getting along with people, getting hurt by people, disappointing people, being disappointed by people, betrayed by other people, forgiving people, getting hurt by people. Hey, can we just be really, really honest today? Sometimes forgiving people can even be a source of stress in your life. It's almost like this. Can, can, can we be honest? Like they did you wrong, but because of your faith in God, you're required to forgive them and you feel like, like there's no justice. Come on, I'm preaching right where you live, I know. There's no source of justice because if I have to forgive them, like God, how are they going to get away with that? And that's where you have to remind yourself, God's one of my favorite verses, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Honestly, it's the truth. Have you been betrayed before? Have you been spoken evil against when you know you didn't do wrong? Have, you, have, have people hurt you intentionally? Hurt you unintentionally? Disappointed you? abandoned you in the worst day of your life? Come on, we all can relate to that. And that can be stressful for us. And I chose those six characteristics of stress in relationship because all six of those things I just spoke about, Jesus experienced over a 12-hour period. Betrayed, abandoned, accused, lied about. All of those things, he, he, he dealt with those. And if anybody had the right not to forgive it would have been Jesus. The question is to ask you all this. Have you ever, ever, maybe I'm the only one that's ever needed to call on the mercy of God in my life. Have you ever done anything that I regret doing? Have you ever said something that I regret doing? Because the Bible says all have sinned. All of us make mistakes. And maybe you never prayed a prayer like this. Maybe only your pastor has done this. Hey, God, I'm serious. I'm sorry. This I really, I promise you, I'm going to get this under control in my life. And then 12 hours later, God, I'm sorry. I'm really going to get this under control in my life. And you prayed a prayer like that before? And here, here's what I would say to you. Whenever you're tempted, because all, 
all when you hold back all that unforgiveness and you, uh, and you hold and, and you will not give out, offer forgiveness to people, all that does for you, everybody, it produces stress in your life. And here's what, here's what Jesus said. And then many will be offended. And that's where a lot of us live. Betray one another and will hate one another. That word offended is the Greek word scandalon. It's where we get our English word scandal. Okay? And actually, scandal's not even a good definition of it. Scandalon, the Greek, it actually paints a picture of, 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 a, of a trap with a really good piece of bait in it. And if you'll grab that bait, you'll be trapped in something. He said, Jesus said, that's what offense is. It traps you. And he said, hey, it's causing stress in your life. To which I would say to you this, is freely you have received forgiveness. Here it is, freely offer forgiveness. As much as you need it, we need to offer it. Here's the second thing that really... uh, the psalmist talked about that are sources of stress in our life, relationships for sure. How about this, money? How about, like money's gotten out of control. And this is really more of an American issue than anything else. Do you know today, I was reading some information in the Wall Street Journal about this recently, that uh, 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 rates, uh, I'm sorry, our, 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 our salaries are rising. But do you know it's rising at a quicker pace than the rate of our salaries is our debt, it's, like, it's, it's a phenomenon they can't really figure out because they're thinking if salaries rise, people would use that excess to pay off debt or at least be equal. But what's happening is it's raising higher. It's going higher than actually as our salaries are raising, which is we are becoming a society that's really out of control when it comes to consumption and debt. And he said, hey, money causes source and stress on your life. And here's what the New Testament says in 1 Timothy. But godliness, here it is, guys. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. Here's what he's saying. I never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. (laughs) When you leave this earth, you're not taking any of this with you. We kind of bought into that lie. He said, and, and we can take nothing out of it, but if we have food and clothing, like, hey, we will, we'll be content with that. And here's the issue. Money's not the issue, guys. Having money, having a lot of it is not the issue. Wanting to be blessed is not a problem for God. God doesn't care about you having any of that. Here's what he said. But those who want to get rich fall into a temptation. And here it is. This describes our culture today. We fell into a trap. That if I can consume and get more, if I could just get one more thing, I'll be happy. And, and so we're living a life today where we have to, we have to make, 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 and work, 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 and, and get, 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 get. We can't ever say no to anything because we got all these bills that we've paid. And he said, hey, you got to do something about it. You, you fall into a trap. And then many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. And here's the issue. Money's not the issue. It's the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's, it's, it's the love of it, your, your relationship with it. Some people eager for money, here's the end result. You wandered from the faith. Like this is affecting a lot of areas of your life. And you've pierced themselves with stress, with many griefs. 
A lot of us, that's where we're living today. Like we've pierced ourselves with many griefs because we've, we've, our money's gotten out of control. And at some point in your life, you gotta get, sort of get real serious about it. Like, like someday has to be the day when you say, I'm gonna attack the budget in my life. I'm gonna attack the issues of my life when it comes to finances. I'm gonna get out of debt. I'm not gonna live, live that way and do whatever I want, I get and pay for it later. I'm gonna make a decision. And Dean and me, we had to do this in our life at different times. We said, okay, we're gonna get control over this where we don't have to live paycheck to paycheck. We don't have to live absolutely needing that next paycheck. That's not God's plan, everybody. So here's what we gotta do. We've gotta like get into a small group, like a Financial Peace University. We gotta meet with someone and that can coach us through these things and walk us through. I encourage you, get in a group because this is a source of stress on your life and it's costing you too much. The third thing he said was this, is your time. Like time, we're getting too busy. And if, if you could ever describe an area of our life that causes more stress for us, it's honestly, it's our schedules. There's every arena of our life that we've got to work on and get under control. And that is, everybody, we are too busy. Listen to your pastor for one moment, if you would. I'm gonna put on my pastor hat right now. And I'm gonna speak to you as plain as I know how. And I'm gonna tell you what I feel like is an issue for really a lot of Americans today. Stop saying yes to everything. It's okay to say no to something. And I'm gonna go where I, I shouldn't go. I'm gonna say something that I, I know that's gonna upset people. But one of, the most, one of the greatest disservices that you could ever do for your child is to have a child-centered home. It's a home that's built just around their desires only. Because the reality of, of it is that's not life for them. I, I woke up one day, I, you know, we have five kids. I woke up one day and said, you know what I'm doing for a living? I'm no longer a pastor. I'm a chef, I'm a cook, and I'm a maid. And I said, that's not my purpose in life, to be a chef, a cook, and a, I mean, a, a chef, a chauffeur, and a maid. I'm preaching better than you're shouting, but I know it'd be quiet when I said all this. <laughs> Let me get my notes so I can figure out where I was gonna say. We, we have to figure out and focus on what life is really about. And then, then, that, then, that just, then out of that, we base our schedule on that. Our schedule has to be focused on what is important. Let me take you back to a verse. Let me set this up for you. It's found in the book of Daniel. So you read through the book of Daniel, interesting book. There's, in Daniel chapter four, they're having this party have this big party, it's a big long feast and they're partying and they're drinking and all this. In the middle of this feast, all of a sudden on the wall, there's, well, the King James says there's a hand writing on the wall. I don't know what that looked like if, you know, what Daniel saw, but it was like, I don't know if it was the Adams family hand that came out of the box and went up there or something. I don't know, but, but what I'm saying is, is, is um, all of a sudden there's these words on the wall, which in the Hebrew, these are the words. This is the message that was written. Meany, meany, tekel, parson. And then Daniel interprets those words. This is what these words mean. Meany means numbered. God has numbered the days of your reign and has brought it to an end. He's saying, hey, 
Your days are numbered, everybody. Like, I want you to know that, hear me. Your days are numbered. You don't get, you get 24 hours a day, seven days a week, but you don't get to live forever. Like, your days are numbered. You need to know that. Tico means weighed. You have been weighed on the balances and have not measured up. Parson means divided. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. This is what he said. Your days have been numbered. You have been measured. And you're not measuring up to what God wants. Life's out of control. Life's not balanced for you. And because of that, your kingdom's going to be divided. Here's what he's saying. If you don't do something, it will cost you something. You just can't keep doing this with relationships and with your finances and with your time. It's going to, it's, it's wearing you out, stressing you out. You're not going to fulfill your purpose for your life. We have to, to, we have to fulfill our purpose for our life. And if we're just doing everything, we're not going to do what God's called us to do. Years ago, you know, I, um, I was, uh, we were building this church, this location here. It was our second building we had built. And, um, and I had had a pretty first, first 12 years of ministry for Dean and I were pretty harsh going. We moved overseas, helped start a school and a church over there, traveled. I was traveled uh, well over a million miles over a period of a couple years. For eight years, I was gone about 30 to 40 weekends a, a month uh, from Dina and from my younger kids. Started a Bible school, saw a couple thousand graduates come out of that Bible school, oversaw a missions program in 28 nations at one time. Stayed pretty busy, moved here to Orlando and kind of took a couple months to kind of reset my life, started East Coast Believers. And then we got right back into it again. We built that facility over on 436. It was a smaller facility. Went to three services pretty quickly in there. Got really, really busy. And then we started to build this building and that in and of it Self was a stressful thing. We were about $400,000 over budget, then additional $450,000 after that. And so that, that's just a cool million, everybody. And um, no big deal. And, um, and in the midst of all that, I was consulting, working with other churches. I was traveling some. And, and, and I'm married, have five kids. And in the midst of all this, Dina says to me one day, you better slow down. I said, honey, I'm Superman. I can do it all. She goes, no, no, I'm here getting up early and you're going to bed later and later. I see you getting up earlier and earlier and earlier. I said, but honey, I gotta lead this. I gotta lead our team. We're in the midst of growth right now, building a building and I gotta lead. I gotta lead by example and be there. And she says, you better stop. And, and then I did what all pastor husbands do. I said, I can use the Bible verse, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. <laughs> and uh, you know, that, by the way, it doesn't work very good, guys. And um, so a few weeks went by. A few weeks went by on a Friday afternoon. We had a big women's conference at our old building, completely sold out event. And, and uh, man, they're in there working. I'm in my office. All of a sudden, just in the middle of the day, I felt like, man, someone took a hot poker and just jabbed me in my back. I was like, what? Whatever was that? I thought it was a spider bite or something. So Dina happened to be there at the office, which she isn't always. And so I ran out, ran out and got her. I said, Dina, I'm looking at my back. I think I bit by a spider. She oh, took my shirt off, looked at it, and she goes, oh my gosh, it looks awful. And there happened to be a friend of ours that was sort of medically inclined that was there. And so she came into my office and Dean and her, she goes, I don't think you should go to the doctor. So I called up my doctor and, and I said, I, mean, I got this. He said, come right on in. And, and so I went right over to his office right down the road from here. And I got there and I sat down. He said, take your shirt off, took my shirt off. He says, Norm, are you stressed about anything? I says, no, I'm not. I can handle it all. 
He goes, are you a man that listens to your wife? I said, not usually. And, um, he's, and this is what he said. I'm not lying, Dr. Chase. He goes, you should. He goes, you're not really sick, but you're crazy. He says, you're too young for this. I said, what is it? He goes, you got a really severe case of shingles. I said, okay, doc, because I didn't hear everything. I said, I said, okay, doc, give me a pill. What pills do I have to take? He said, no pill is going to help you with this, Norm. He says, you've got to go rest. You're going to rest. And this is what he said. He said, every time, every time you feel that, because you're going to feel it, every time you feel that pain, you remember, uh, you know, you should rest a little bit more. And it was a wake-up call for me that we can't do everything all the time, everybody. We have to get our schedules under control. I have to get our time under control. He says what he said. He said to the, the king, he said, listen, your days are numbered. You have been measured. You're not measuring up. And I'm going to divide your kingdom. It's going to cost you something. And here's the warning. You better get stress under control or it's going to cost you too much. So let me give you the answer. I've got four minutes left with you. Let me talk to you about how to get, what does the Bible say about this? He said, remind me how brief my time on the earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered. Here's a verse I want to go to. He said, this is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads. I've given you some crossroads. Time, finances, relationships. Stop. Look around. Ask for the old, here it is, godly way and walk in it. Travel its path. And here it is, you will find rest for your souls. He said, do the God way and you'll find the rest for your souls. So what is, here's the thing, what is God's way? And there's some principles. I want to give you three principles as fast as I can. Number one, there's the priority principle. All this principle is, here it is, you want to know God's way? Here it is, put God first in every arena of your life. Get the priorities right in your life. Like here, here's what you need to know. I'm married 25 years, and this is the truth. Dina is my number one in my life. She, she's my number one, and I'm gonna keep her number one. I'm gonna work hard at keeping her number one. And Because here's what I know. If I'll keep her number one in my life, my family will be better. But yeah, I got some little kids that wanna be number one. Man, they come out of the womb. They come out of the womb, and man, they're manipulative right away. They got to they gotta figure it out. They know how to do it. They know how to get distance between you and her. Because they, they want to be number one. But if I'll keep her first, my family will be better. Here's what I'm saying at church. I mean this. I'm keeping God number one more than you. Because if I'll keep God number one, you'll be okay. In my finances, I'm going to keep God number one in my finances. Because here's, I'm not saying this because we need offerings at East Coast Believers. All I'm saying is you put God first in your finances, not just giving him a tenth, but give him the first tenth. The 90% left over is redeemed. It just, it makes it all work out for you. There's just something, about, when I wake up in the morning, I'm gonna give God the first part of my day, not what's left over in my day. I'm gonna start off talking to God. It just makes the rest of the day better. Here's what it is, guys. It's the priority principle, God first, in all arenas of my life. Maybe this is a wake-up call for us. Like I've talked about this at the beginning of the year. Like maybe it's time to institute a devotional time in your life. Put it on your phone as a calendar event. 
Like, I'm going to take five, start with five minutes, then go to 10, go to 15. Like, God, you're getting that first part of my life. Maybe it's time at home, guys, to say, okay, I'm putting the right people first in my life. I'm going to put, I'm going to put, I'm doing a series in September called Where Do We Go From Here? Talking about eternity. And, and I'm just going to, I'll get ahead of myself. I've never seen anybody on their, death, their deathbed say, I've never seen it. I've been there multiple times in my life as a pastor. I've never ever seen anybody go, man, I wish I just would have closed one more deal. I wish, I wish I just could have worked a few more hours. I've never seen anybody on deathbed go, I regret, I regret going home from the office a little bit early, spend time with my family. Moving right along. The intentionality principle. This is living an intentional life. Like here's, here's what I'm saying. Be, be more focused on why I exist. I think one of the beautiful things we do at East Coast Believers, we have a great system set up where we're gonna go reach people far from God. We, we, what, I, what I'm trying to say is if you could just know God, if you could just get to know him, you'd fall in love with him. And that's our goal. That's what we're trying to do on Sundays. Like I, like I make no bones about it. I'm not trying to do anything else. I'm just trying to get people who are far from God to fall in love with God to get, become a God first life. And then, then we want you to grow in your relationship with God. Well, how do you grow in your relationship with God? Here at East Coast Believers, we do it two ways, through small groups. Like if you get part of a small group, and I, I just know, if I can get part of a small group, then I can find the freedom that I need in my life. If I get part of a small group, then really I could connect with other people and they could help me grow. They could call out my stuff. I could call out their stuff. On the worst day of my life, the Bible says, pity for the man who falls and he doesn't have anybody beside him to help pick him up when he slips. That's why we need that. We also got something else called Grow Classes. It's a four-week class, almost like a membership class. And in fact, it's going on. Shameless plug right now. I'm gonna give it to you. Yeah, we have it going on right now. And in another room right now are people that say, hey, I don't wanna just go to church. I wanna belong to church. But me, see, belonging to a church doesn't mean you sign up as a member and, and, and just sign up and I'm a membership. I agree to the cup. None of that. No, no, no. We want you to know what you're a part of. But also in this, we help you discover your purpose. We help you discover why you exist. Because here's what I know. If you find out why you exist, then the rest of your life will be better. Like, why on earth am I living in the year 2019 on planet earth? Ultimately, here's the reason why. I want you to give your life to the plan of God. Because if I could give my life to the plan of God, I know one day you'll stand before Jesus and you won't regret your time on this earth. You'll have no regrets. And that's what I'm trying to accomplish with you. Here's what I'm saying. If I know what to say yes to, saying no to something else is easy. Like for instance, uh, you know, I made this mistake one time. Saturday nights, I don't do stuff on Saturday nights. Saturday days, I do during the day. But up to, up to about five o'clock, at five o'clock to my cutoff day. So I get, man, I have had awesome, wonderful invitations to go to, to go to football games. I love college football. I love the UCF Knights. love the Florida Gators. Boo, no, I'm just kidding. And, um, but, but I love college football and, and my kids love it. We all do it together. But here's, here's the deal. I don't go to games on Saturday nights. I did it one time and I regret it. I wasn't the best for you on Sunday mornings. And so I have to say, I know what I'm saying yes to. It helps me say no to what's not important, everybody. 
It's not that, is it wrong to go to a college football game on Saturday? No, but for me, because that's not my purpose. People say, well, pastor, you've got to, oh, I've given up. You don't even know the tickets I've given up here. I mean, I want you to know I've given up some really sweet tickets. You know, UCF sweet tickets to a sweet sweets and up there and, and even and even at the, at the, at the swamp, you know, for, for second row, 35 yards, giving all that up. Why? Because I know my purpose. I don't want to get distracted. Here's what it is. It's really you got to give your life to the plan of God. Matthew 13 says it like this. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. Like this treasure. Here's another word for treasure. It's your purpose. That a man discovered his purpose hidden in the field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Here's what he's saying. That's your purpose. The field is your life. Do you want to use your purpose to fulfill, you want to use your life to fulfill your purpose? Let me wrap it up with this. We're done right here. That's the eternity principle. That is, I live forever. But I don't just live for the here and the now. But I'm going to live forever. We got to remind ourselves. It keeps money in priority. It keeps fame and success in priority. This isn't my ultimate home. We, um, Dean and I every year go to uh, New York city in December for two days and we've done it for a lot of years now and um, we go without the kids and um, we come back we have so much fun and, and uh, by ourselves and we shop and we overeat it's amazing how much how much fancy restaurants you can eat in, eat in without five kids towing along and um, you know and, uh, and uh, we just date and shop and all this sort of stuff and we come back and tell the kids what a great time we stop at Tiffany's you know and, and you know and because and, they're not spending all that money on them I got money to spend on Dina and um, they all they all want to go and I always tell them no you're not ever, you're, you're never going you're ever, never, ever going. I don't know what's going on behind me, but something good's happening. <laughs> and so, but I, I travel a lot. Like I'm travel. I'll, I'll leave today after service, and I've got to go preach at a meeting, and um, and uh, come back a couple Tuesday. And um, but often when I travel, I let one of the kids come with me, and and son, it sort of makes it a little easier for me to, when I when I'm gone away from them. So we usually have one of the little ones with me, and. And uh, it's just one of the things our church lets me do, and so I bring him along. And so one one trip I was on a couple of years ago I was in. We were flying uh, to New Hampshire. I was going to preach up there, and um, we flew through New York City. And I had my one daughter with me, and so we land in New York City. As we landed about eight thirty in the morning, she said, "I want to get some of that pizza you guys talk about, that New York City pizza." I said, okay, well, let's, we'll find 8.30 in the morning. We go look through the airport. And if you've been through JFK, they have it there, 8.30. They have buffets set up there all night long. And so, so we went and got a piece of pizza there. And we got back on our connection flight to fly over to uh, Berlin, New Hampshire. And um, we sat down. And I could tell she was a little disappointed. She looks over me. She goes, oh, Daddy? She goes, I don't think New York City is all that cool. I says, what do you mean? She says, you guys talk about this pizza. This is no different than pizza we get back home. She says, and I don't think New York City is any different than Orlando. I says, what do you mean? You didn't go. She goes, well, I thought we were in New York City. I said, oh, no, we were just in the airport. I think a lot of us live our life this way. We think this is everything. And this isn't everything. One day we get to go to heaven. 
And it keeps this reminder that don't put so much stock in this world and disappoint you. This isn't everything, everybody. We got eternity with God. Amen. Thank you for listening to the East Coast Believers Church podcast. We hope you were blessed by this message. For more info about this podcast or other resources, visit eastcoastbelievers.org.